confirma ob Deus por operatus es in nobis. Confirm, O God, what thou hast wrought in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a striking thing to me in this octave of Pentecost, as we look at the masses that are given us for each day of this week, the way in which we can perceive whether this was done intentionally or whether it's simply an instance of God's liturgical providence throughout the course of history, ordering the way that these masses have come together, we can see the text of the masses illustrating the action of the Holy Ghost in the Church through the sacraments. And we can see this throughout the week. On Monday, we heard about the conversion of Cornelius. The epistle concluded with his baptism, and the offertory said, The Most High thundered, and the fountains of waters appeared. The sacrament of baptism was very present in the Mass of Monday. In the Mass on Tuesday, we heard the epistle from the 8th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, which is the classic text for demonstrating the apostolic foundations of the sacrament of confirmation, as Peter and John go to lay hands upon the Samaritans after their baptism to give them the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yesterday, we had the Gospel from the 6th chapter of St. John, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. It was very clearly a Eucharistic Mass, although there are Eucharistic overtones in all of the Masses of this week. Today, and I have the authority of Pius Parsh for this, we can see the illustration of the action of the Holy Ghost in the Sacrament of Holy Orders. We heard in the Epistle about Philip, not Philip the Apostle, but Philip the Deacon, one of the seven deacons preaching in Samaria. And we hear in the Gospel about the Twelve being given power and authority, being sent to preach the kingdom of God, being sent to heal the sick. This isn't the moment of the priestly ordination of the Twelve, but it certainly anticipates the power that they will be given in its fullness at their ordination at the Last Supper. If we look ahead to tomorrow, we will have the Gospel of the paralytic, to whom our Lord says, before healing, healing him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And he goes on to say that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. The power to forgive sins, which is perpetuated in the church in the sacrament of penance. In the great mass of Ember Saturday, we'll hear of our Lord curing the mother-in-law of Simon Peter. And then we'll hear how all those who had any that were sick with diverse diseases brought them to him. And he, laying hands on every one of them, healed them. We can see a rather clear reference in the concluding Mass of the Pentecost Octave to the sacrament of extreme unction, the holy anointing of the sick. I've not found any explicit reference in these Mass texts to the sacrament of marriage, but we could, in a certain sense, see the nuptial mystery that's expressed in the sacrament of marriage present throughout the entirety of the Pentecost Octave, as our Lord pours out upon his bride, the Church, the gift of the Holy Ghost, who is himself the bond of love between the Father and the Son. This entire week has a nuptial character to it. So this, by way of uh, comment on the, the liturgy of this week, which gives us a whole panorama of the way in which the Holy Ghost acts in the Church through the sacraments. But as I mentioned, that today's Mass illustrates, we could say, the Holy Ghost acting in the sacrament of holy orders. And this is fitting enough for a Thursday, the day on which the priesthood is instituted. It's also by a remarkable instance of God's liturgical providence, very meaningful for me today. You might have remarked that um, 
It's unusual for uh, a novice like myself to celebrate the conventional Mass and even still more to preach, but uh, Father Pryor graciously uh, invited me to do both of those things because today is the 10th anniversary of my ordination of the Holy Priesthood. And the texts of this Mass are truly striking when one ponders them in the light of the Sacrament of Holy Orders, something which is uh, certainly worth pondering for those of us here who have received that sacrament, and for all of us who, by our baptism, have a share in the royal priesthood which Christ gives to his church, and who are all called, those of us in particular in the community, by our vocation to intercede constantly for those who have received the ministerial priesthood. We have the texts, the Proverbs of the Mass, the chants that we sang on Sunday on the Feast of Pentecost, and we can certainly see the event of ordination to the priesthood as a particularly powerful manifestation of the Pentecostal grace in the church. What is a priest? We could say that a priest is a man acted upon by the Holy Ghost so that Christ, by his Spirit, may act through the humanity of that priest. I was struck as I said the second collect of today's Mass, the collect for the priest himself, by the words, Ut por mea voce de promitur, tua sanctificatione permetur, so that that which is brought forward by my voice may be strengthened by thy sanctification, may be made firm by thy sanctification. That word firmetur, it's the same verb, or a verb very similar to it that we hear in the offertory today. Confirma hoc Deus por operatus es in nobis. Confirm, make firm, O God, that which thou hast wrought in us. The texts of the Mass of Pentecost, make it clear that it is God who has wrought everything in his church. Our role is to be acted upon by him and to let him act through us. And this is true in a preeminent way of the priest. We have a tendency in the modern world, certainly those of us who are Americans in a particular way, have a tendency to think of our life and even our life of faith in terms of activity and what I'm going to do for God, what I'm going to do for others, all these things are very good, but we can fall into the, the error, what Leo XIII called the heresy of Americanism. Uh, he wrote an entire encyclical on the subject of this heresy, this tendency which he perceived to privilege activity over that which is most fundamental in the church, which is contemplation and being acted upon by the grace of God. And so Leo XIII, over a hundred years ago, defended the primacy of those virtues which the world deems as passive, the virtues of the contemplative life, the virtues of the monastic life, something which is, uh, could, could often be seen as useless in the world of today. But if we look at the way in which the Holy Ghost brought about the expansion of the church, the way in which he acted in and through and upon the first priests, we see that everything begins with God's action within us, with God's action upon us. A priest is one acted on by the Holy Ghost, so that Christ through the Holy Ghost may act through the priest's humanity. And so all of the texts of today's Mass, we hear active verbs describing what the Holy Ghost does, and we hear primarily passive verbs describing what we do or what is done to us. Emite spiritum tuum, send forth thy spirit, et crea untur, and they shall be created. We are the ones being created, which means that without the Holy Ghost, we are nothing, which is precisely what the sequence said. 
sine tuo numine nihil est in omine. Without thy divine power, there is nothing in man. Nothing is without harm. Nihil est in oxium. We heard in the verse of the second Alleluia, Veni Sancte Spiritus, reple tuorum corepidelium, fill up the hearts of thy faithful. If we ask him to fill up the hearts of the faithful, that means that we know that our hearts are empty, empty by ourselves of any good. We need the Holy Ghost to come and fill us. And the priest experiences this in a most particular way. He knows more than anyone else, or he should know, that he is nothing and he needs to be created by the Holy Ghost. That he is empty and he needs to be filled by the Holy Ghost. And then in the offertory we will sing, Confirma, O Deus, Properatus est in nobis. Confirm, O God, what thou hast wrought in us. It is God who has wrought all things in us, who brings about all the good that there is within the priest by imprinting upon him the priestly character. And then we'll hear in the communion antiphon of the coming of the Holy Ghost, et repleti sundomnes, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Which means, again, that without the Holy Ghost, they were empty. Without the Holy Ghost, we are empty. But when we are filled with him, then we can act. We can act in and by the power of Christ through the Holy Ghost to be sent to us. And so we also hear in the text of the Mass verbs that indicate our response once we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We hear one in the offertory verse after saying, Confirma oc, corporatus est nobis, confirm that which thou hast wrought in us. Then we hear, A templu tuo in Jerusalem, tibi operet regis munera. From thy temple in Jerusalem, kings shall offer gifts to thee. And this is the primary function of the priest, to offer gifts to God. It's the function of all of Christ's mystical body, upon whom he confers a share in his royal priesthood. Tibi operet reges munera, kings shall offer thee gifts. Who are the kings? The kings are all of us who are baptized and conformed to Christ, our king and our high priest. And we exercise that kingly priesthood which we have received as we take part in whatever way is appropriate to us, whether as priests or as members of the lay faithful, in the, in the offering of the Eucharistic sacrifice. And then we hear in the communion antiphon, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, Loquentes manialia Dei, speaking the wonderful things of God. Once the Holy Ghost has filled us, then we can respond in praise of God, as we do in the singing of the Divine Office, as we do in our personal prayer, as we do by the lives which we lead, which should, whether by word or by action, proclaim constantly the wonderful things that God has done for us. And so this Mass teaches the priest, it teaches all of us that it is God's action which comes first, which creates us, which fills us, which allows us to accomplish any good. And this is particularly the case in what we are about to do in a few moments, the offering of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. This, above all, is the action of God in which we simply participate, first of all, by letting him act within us, but by letting him act upon us through hearing his word, letting him fill us, and then cooperating with his grace as we bring our very poor little offerings to unite them to the sacrifice of Christ. At the Mass of Thanksgiving, after I was ordained, the pastor, the parish priest of my home parish, who has since gone to his eternal, eternal reward, preached words which uh, I will never forget. He said that once someone had asked him, why is it that it takes so many years for a man to be 
trained to become a priest. After all, the person said, it seems that all you have to do is learn how to say Mass, and that isn't that difficult. Well, it could seem like a rather superficial comment, but the parish priest in his homily reflected on the fact that there is a profound truth to that. All a priest needs to learn how to do is to offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. But it takes a lifetime to learn how to offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. All that a Christian needs to do is to offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. But all of us throughout our Christian life must constantly learn more and more to die to ourselves, let ourselves be emptied so that the Holy Ghost may act upon us, so that we can truly enter into the sacrifice. This is, after all, what the monastic life is all about. It's why it's often seemed to me that there's nothing more priestly that one could do than to leave everything to become a monk and to learn through the daily grind of the monastic life, through the silence, listening to the Word of God, through the life of obedience, through climbing little by little the steps of humility. There is no better way than that to learn what it is to offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That is what all of us are here to do ultimately, to become victims with the host so that we can truly understand what it is to place ourselves upon the altar with our Lord. And so may he teach all of us who have been conformed to him as his priests, may he teach all of us, the members of his mystical body, what it is to offer ourselves with him. May Our Lady of the Cenacle, Our Lady Help of Christians, whose feast is today, teach all of us to imitate her in letting the Holy Ghost act upon us and within us and through us, so that with her we might bring our offerings to unite them to those of her Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.